And it is another wonderful day in paradise in Loveland, Colorado, where the sun shines, oh, 300 days a year, they tell me. Although today on my way into the studio, it was raining and overcast and the sky was menacing. That just doesn't happen very often here, but uh, today... A cloudy sky. My name is Sean Boonstra. You're listening to Disclosure. I've got in studio with me today the original A Rod. That's right. The That's original right. A Rod, Alex I'm Rodriguez. Older, so it was Are my, you actually it was older than the first. real A Rod? I believe so. There you go. There you go. He stole my name. Yeah. You and get, my skills. And and your paycheck. And my paycheck. And your paycheck. <laughs> There's some other some other things that he does that that he he did on his own. Yeah. Let me just make the record straight. Yeah. Yeah, but you really gave him his start in life. But I gave him his start in life. Yeah. <laughs> this this Alex Rodriguez, who the one I consider the real Alex Rodriguez, is the associate director of the Discover Bible School and the director of evangelism at The Voice of Prophecy. And I know that we're in today to talk a little bit about um, the Discover Bible Lessons, the oldest and I believe the largest correspondence Bible school in the entire world. That's right. But I got to ask you a question before we look at any of our topics for today. Have you ever had like toothpaste strings or toothpaste worms in your mouth? Has that ever happened to you? Toothpaste worms? Yeah. You'll have to explain. Well, I'm not talking about, there's actually an urban legend, you know, people buy Colgate and they squeeze out some toothpaste and a worm comes out of it. (laughs) Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. I I think that one is probably a lie, but no toothpaste strings. It's like I brush my teeth and then like on my way out of the house in the morning, I'll take a little sip of orange juice or lemon water and something acidic, something happens. There's some kind of a chemical reaction and I get these long strings in my mouth. So I went and looked it up and it's either a chemical reaction or the toothpaste is too harsh. I'm like brushing my teeth with bonhomie or, or something like that. And it's exfoliating the insides of your cheeks and that's rolled up skin falling off. Oh, that's of your... disgusting. Yeah, it is disgusting. That might be a good thing for you, though. I don't know. It's a cleansing thing. I still got one in there. It's a good thing it's a radio because now I can I can reach in there and well, you, pick up the strings. There's a couple of cameras. I wiped here. a few on the back of your jacket on your way hey, in. I'm... Hey, thanks, man. Yeah. That makes me look better. <laughs> <laughs> it shines You know, talking about disgusting slime, did you hear about the hagfish accident in Oregon? I did. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's t- here, here's, this, here's this truckload of hagfish. They're also known as slime eels. I'll just set the table. If you're busy eating your breakfast or lunch, you might want to turn Turn down the radio for a minute, but I guess they we export these things to Korea where they're a delicacy and they're hagfish. And hagfish, when they're stressed out, uh, emit slime. They they give off mucus. And uh, and this trucker is trying. I shouldn't be laughing about no, this, it is but, funny though. but he's trying to avoid road construction. He's trying to stop in time, and he fails in one container of hagfish, 7,500 pounds of hagfish, oh. dump over on the road, and the eels are all distressed, so they cover the whole road with mucus. Oh. And now cars start sliding through the mucus. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I shouldn't be laughing about this, but it was the uh, hands down this year's best accident. That's that's great. Best accident. There were pictures of state troopers hosing the mucus off the highway. Oh, that must have been a pain. No, you were once a cop. I was. Yeah. I was. Did they cover that in, like, police academy? No, no, no. How I, to wash hagfish? No, no. I, I have chased cows and horses and, and, and skunks and all kinds of other stuff. But I you don't had to think... chase a skunk? Uh, you know, you get calls for all kinds of stuff. I've got something in my attic and, you know, I just, <laughs> whatever the, it is, it's always 911 and it's the police that get called to, to come I got a skunk in my it. attic. I was once on the freeway in Toronto and a cow had escaped from a truck. And he was running up and down the middle of the freeway. And that is a big freeway. It's like six lanes across each oh, way my. on the, on the express. Yeah. Cow, cow made it. 
Really? Oh, yeah. No, the cow made it. Hey, but that's not... We're not really here to talk about toothpaste strings or cows on the freeway or slime eels. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. I guarantee right now somebody has stopped, pulled over to the side of the road, I hope, and they're Googling slime fish to see this. There are pictures of this accident. Buckets and buckets of mucus on the highway. That is disgusting. Yeah, I know. I know. And the inner five-year-old loves that That's story. like okra. Boiled okra. Oh, you yeah, that's no, just a mouthful kind of, of mucusy. I, yeah, I don't want to say of. what. If you deep fry okra, it's not too bad. But if you just boil okra, it, <laughs> uh, are we allowed to say that it's a mouthful of snot? I don't snot. think we can say that on the radio. No, don't, don't no. say that. Hey, let's get to something a little more serious. Let's get to the Discover Bible School. The Discover Bible School, Alex, as we were mentioning a minute ago, is like the world's biggest and oldest correspondence Bible uh, school. I think it started in the 1940s. 1942, I believe. 42. Yeah. And it's been growing ever since then. Um, and it's available in I don't know how many languages around the world, but a lot. Yeah. And, 60-ish. Uh, 60-ish languages. And so if you're listening and if you've, you've ever wanted to know more about the Bible or you've ever sort of wanted to study the Bible topic by topic, which is a great way to study Scripture because then you kind of get the overarching themes of the Bible and suddenly each individual chapter and book of the Bible begins to make more sense because you've seen the big themes as they sort of weave their way through the entire Bible. Um, and this is a great you can You can get uh, your hands on the Discover Bible School just by going to... Well, you can go to VOP.com. VOP.com. And there, there's a link right to the Discover School. There you go. And uh, you can get involved. We're going to take a look at the topics. We're not really going to go um, through the lessons verbatim, but we're going to look at the topics that are covered in there. And these are some of the biggest ones that we're going to do, oh, probably in over a couple of programs together. I think we're going to look at number five today, the bridge to a satisfying life. I would hold this up for the in-studio camera, but we're doing a complete redesign. They are going to and, print this week. Oh, they're going to print this week. That's right. Um, and Which so I could hold these up for the camera, but this is yesterday's news. That's right. That's and right. so we will look at the themes. Uh, before that, one other thing I need to mention, because coming soon, coming soon. You know what's at the end of October? Do you know what what huge anniversary takes place at the end of October? Oh, yes. 500 years since Martin Luther went and nailed his 95 theses to the it's church door in Wittenberg. Yeah. And... Um, uh, it's 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 even older than you, almost. 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 Yeah. Have you been to Wittenberg? Yeah, I've been to Wittenberg. I uh, I filmed at Wittenberg, and let me let me get to that. Uh, what we're going to do at the Voice of Prophecy is we're going to release a little mini series called A Pale Horse Rides. It's going to tap into the Book of Revelation. It's going to give some surprises from Revelation chapter six and the four horsemen. But it's also going to tell the untold story. Tell. Sorry, it's not going to told. It's going to tell. I speak Canadian English. It's a little different. We forgive right? you. Oh, we conjugate completely differently. Intenses mean to nothing. Yeah. Thank you. I'm actually in for American citizenship. I'm going to fail the. The written component, it sounds like. But uh, there's an untold story. There's a thousand years of history leading up to Martin Luther that nobody ever talks about. And it's a Christianity that takes place outside the bounds of Western Europe and the Roman Empire. Uh, barbarians who suddenly and mysteriously become Christian and start copying the scriptures and lay the groundwork for Martin Luther. So the event is called Pale Horse Rides. It's going to open all across America October 27. And if you want to find out about it, go to palehorserides.com, palehorserides.com. Okay, our topic today, Alex, you're going to give me a Bible study based on the topic in lesson number five of the Discover Bible School. Bridge to a Satisfying Life. Bridge to a Satisfying Life. Let's get started, and uh, I will let you give me a Bible study. Now, if you're at home and following along, you're really probably going to want to grab a Bible if you've got one or find an online Bible if you don't have one. 
Um, you can go to uh, BibleInfo.com. There are links to online Bibles there as well. But uh, go ahead. And uh, what are we going to talk about? Well, I think we're, we're going we're to talk a little bit about everybody's need, everybody's uh, inner need for, for a satisfying life. You know, I've heard you often say that um, that there are really no atheists out there, and, and, and there's this, this deep no, down I don't believe in need atheists. out, no. you know, out there. And so, what what is what is this need, and 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 how do we fill this need? Why is it there? Where did it come from? And uh, what do we do about it? I think it? we all have this innate sense that something's not quite right out there. That's and right. you've got to ask That's the question: right. Why do we all have that sense? Why do we even have the sense that things could be better? What are you comparing your life to when you say, "Hey, it could get better"? Yeah, and that's a, that's a good point uh, because you have to you have to expect or something within within you has to say that there could be a better um, for you to to want something something yeah. better. So we're going to talk a little bit about you know the satisfying life. How, how do we have a satisfying a satisfying life? And, and, and in order to do that, let's look at scripture. Let's look at Genesis. Right. Now let's start right. I from brought the my Bible. I know that if a rod's in the house. <laughs> do you hear? Do you hear how cool I am? My kids don't think I'm cool at all. But did you hear that lingo? A Rod in the house. A Rod. That's yeah. that's really amazing. You have to bring a Bible yeah. if Alex Rodriguez is in the you, house. You sound like like you're young. Well, again. I asked my young kids, again. "Is Daddy cool?" Mm, no, no, Daddy's not cool. No, you know I was right. Uh, no, no, <laughs> Daddy's young. Daddy's not young. Daddy's not cool. No, um, Daddy that, that'll change. Daddy that'll came change. out of the womb a forty-five-year-old man. <laughs> <laughs> I feel it. I can't remember my past. <laughs> no. Okay, go All ahead. Right. Genesis. Let's go to Genesis chapter one. Okay. Genesis chapter one. We have the creation story. Uh, Jesus, uh, God, that is, is, is creating. The Lord is creating. We see that uh, in the well, beginning. Well, saying Jesus isn't completely Je- inaccurate. That, that's right. Because that's what right. is it? John 1, Hebrews 1, Colossians 1, all identify Jesus as creator. That's absolutely correct. Didn't, yeah. you, didn't you write a book on this? I think I did. Jesus before Jesus. Jesus before Jesus. And give it away here on the on the radio station, although I haven't asked, asked Careful. permission from no, 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 no. I can't no. afford to give it away, but it is an amazing deal. <laughs> it is in a book. Voiceofprophecy.com. It's an amazing deal. Jesus before Jesus. Genesis chapter 1. So God is creating. Jesus is creating. The Holy Spirit is present here. We have a lot of things going on we can't cover, but run over here to verse 26. Okay. Genesis chapter 1, I'm there. Verse I'm looking. I got my glasses on. And it says, then God said, let us make man in our image. Yeah, there's a plural there. To our likeness. There is. There is. There's a, and, and you see that, that, uh, that plurality throughout, throughout all of, of Scripture. But God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So you have the, this creation, this planning, and this creation, this execution of, of mankind who were supposed to be over this, this earth. They were supposed to have authority and dominion over over this earth and we see that in Genesis chapter 1 we see that in Genesis chapter 2 as Genesis 2 expounds on on Genesis chapter 1 and when God created if we run down all the way down to to the end of Genesis 1 yep this I'm is the, there the very last verse verse 31 it says then God saw everything that he made and it was what very good very good very good so you know we'd have to ask the question how good is God's very well, good? Well, here is probably where this latent memory of something better comes from. It was once very good. That's right. And it's it's odd to me. You know, we the, the current theory of origin says that we came out of worse and it's getting better. 
and yet we all have a latent memory of something better. And where did that come from? That's right. The Greeks had a latent memory of something better, and so they, they decided something so wrong with this world, Plato said, and some of his forerunners said, well, then there's got to be something perfect out there in the universe we're comparing it to. The Christian story is it started very good. It started very, very good. good. And God's very good, as we see through through all of Scripture, God's very good is, is perfect. Perfection is what call, God calls very good. So there was a time where, where we were created very good. I, I, I haven't seen that time in a long no, time in my life. But no, nobody's ever applied that moniker to me. Certainly not my mother-in-law. You're very good, Sean. <laughs> yeah, no, no, <laughs> that just... <laughs> doesn't. And Sean knows that Sean is not very good. That's right. That's um, right. I think if we're all really honest, we, we all put up a brave front. But in those quiet hours where we're confronted with the reality of who we actually are and we see our own internal flaws, none of us can look into the mirror and say very good, not if we're honest. We no. all know there's something that is not quite right. It's easy for us to say that we're very bad. Uh, yeah. But to say we're very good, we, you know, we well, would be yeah. lying. I could put up the the brave front, um, but I know the truth about me, and we all know the truth about ourselves. I see, Alex, we're up against a break. So we're going to pause with this thought that God created everything very good, and most of us have a sense that we are no longer very good, and neither is the world we live in very good. Uh, that something has gone amiss. You're listening to Disclosure. My name is Sean Boonstra. My guest today is the Associate Director of the Discover Bible School and the Director of Evangelism at The Voice of Prophecy, Alex Rodriguez. If you have not grabbed your Bible yet, you want to go and get it because today is Bible Study Day. You're going to want to crack it open and follow along and ask yourself, what is wrong with this world and how can you find a bridge to a satisfying life? In the meantime, you also want to grab a pen and paper and write down the information from from this amazing offers from the good people at the Voice of Prophecy. If you've been blessed by this program, we hope that you'll pay it forward and add your voice to the Voice of Prophecy. Just visit vop.com/give to make your tax-deductible donation. Thank you for supporting us and equipping the world for Christ to come. All around us, the world is changing. Homes are being lost. Lives are being threatened. And some people are asking the question, does God even care about me? The Bible answers that question, and what it says is very encouraging. Find out what God says regarding this topic and some of life's greatest issues in our free Discover Bible Guides. You can get yours by going to VOP.com, click on Study, or call us at 888-456-7933. 888-456-7933. Retirement planning can be stressful, but it doesn't have to be. Call the friendly people at The Voice of Prophecy and learn about all your options based on your specific needs. Just give us a call at 1-800-348-5993. And we are back from the break. I hope you wrote down the information because uh, there's a lot of good resources coming from the people at The Voice of Prophecy. Uh, radio network. I'm in studio today with Alex Rodriguez. We're studying a Discover Bible lesson. Well, we're looking at the theme of one of the Discover Bible lessons, A Bridge to a Satisfying Life. And Alex, right before the break, you were pointing out based on Genesis 1, 26 through, oh, down through the end of, um, well, verse 31, that in the beginning, the world was made very good. And I assume now we're going to look at something went wrong. That's right. That's right. right. So we, you know, we were part of that world, the the creation of Adam and Eve. So Adam and Eve uh, fall into that context of they were created very good. Good. 
So th- there was there was no evil in them. You know, I find it fascinating. I've mentioned this in more than one program. It's one of my favorite Bible verses. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 11 says that God has put eternity in our hearts. Mm. And so uh, I've always read that thinking, we all know something's wrong, right? You go to a funeral, your friend is dead. Logic tells you, you knew that was coming. Nobody escapes that. You know, nobody makes it past 70, 80, 90 years, if an accident, much younger. And yet every fiber of your being screams there's something wrong with this. It shouldn't be like this. That's right. And, and as the world continues on, we, we see that, that we're, we're living in a messed up life. Just, yeah. a, just a few weeks ago, I was over in Israel. And I was looking at the news just a couple of days ago. The very same places that uh, that I walked uh, through, you know, all these all these killings and slayings, and the police uh, and, and, the, and the different sides are fighting against each other. Everywhere we look, there's there's fightings, there 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 there's you know rapes and just all kinds of atrocities that are being committed. We all know that this world's a mess. Right. So how did that happen? And that's where we fall, we fall into Genesis chapter 3. All right. I'm turning over Genesis chapter Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 3, we see the fall. It, it, we won't read it, uh, but it describes the, the temptation. We, we have the serpent showing up. We, be, we believe that uh, to be Satan as we, as we find that through Scripture. Satan shows up in the, gar- in the garden. He, he tempts Eve. He tempts Adam through Eve, and they both fall. They both say, you know, I would rather I would rather side with with Satan than I would rather uh, be with with God. And ultimately, that that was their choice. There, there was they they exercised their free choice to choose something other than what God had provided them. Well, it's interesting. God allows that free choice. A lot of people look at God in a dictatorial light, like God is arbitrary. He's severe. He forces people. There's no force found in Scripture. God no. always warns. He says, if you take this path. And really what Adam and Eve were choosing was the path of self-government. That's Someone right. comes That's along right. and says, did God, you know, the serpent says, did God really say that? Are you really going to die if you sever yourself from the Creator? Are you really? And the, the temptation really is to doubt that God's in charge. It's to doubt God's word. It's to doubt his authority and his knowledge and to stop trusting him. And to stop trusting God means taking over the reins of your own life and running things your own way. That's right. That's right. And Solomon says that there's a way that seems right to man but leads to death. Right. And, and this is what's happening here in, in Genesis 3. Adam and Eve believed that they saw a way that, that was right to them, but they chose, they chose incorrectly. And what's interesting to me about this is that they made this choice when they were in a perfect state. They were in a very good state, and yet uh, they, saw, they saw something, as you said, they saw something that in self-government that they, that they rather have than what God uh, had to offer them. And, of course, we're in this mess today. So why would God create them with the ability to choose then? Because obviously you're created with the ability to choose. Why not just, I mean, why would you want to do that? It's, it's all about love. It's about the, the, the fact that God is not wanting to, to have robots serving him and, and walking around doing his, his bidding. God is, a, God is a personable being. He's right. a being that, that is in community. If, if you look at even the hour, that, uh, the word hour that we saw in Genesis chapter 1, let us make man in our image. God is in community. And in, in Revelation chapter 21, it says that, that God is going to tabernacle with us. God's greatest desire, and it doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever, but God's greatest desire is, is to live with us. He, he wants right. to live with you. He wants to live with me. He wants to be next door neighbors. Doesn't make any sense to me, but this is what God created. And that's created. after, but frankly, after we crucify Christ, he still wants to he be. Still, a, he still wants that, yeah, right. it, it, which is it's, it's real, really radical. It's, it's amazing. But God is a, God is a personable being that, that wants to love and to be loved. That's a whole different show. But God wants to right. love and to receive love 
from from us. And right. the only way to do that. Oh, if you have no choice, it's not love. If I come right. home and I go, oh, look, my wife's still here after 25 years, and uh, I can't believe she's still around, but she's chained to the wall. You know, she's, of course, she's saying, well, of course, I'm still here. I've got no choice. I have that's no choice. Not, that's not what I want. I want. I want this woman who's there because she wants to be there. That's right. And that's what God looks for, I think, in, in us is that we want to be there. And so unless there's the option to choose against him, you can't exercise genuine love. And I think we, we saw that uh, here in the news uh, recently, a uh, lady chained to uh, inside of a container, I think it was, or something oh, like that. Oh, I didn't that. see and, that. Uh, I can't remember exactly the story, but she had been kidnapped. She'd been chained in this container, and she was, she was finally, finally freed. Uh, we can't force love. No, you can't. Love can't be forced. And so God, God chose to, to not force from the beginning. The fact that, that uh, you, know, you have um, Lucifer himself and, and Lucifer falls from heaven and, and takes angels with him. The fact that, that he could choose uh, shows that God throughout the entire universe has decided that uh, moral free choice is a principle that he's giving to all of his creation. So we have here Genesis chapter 3, and we have the choice, the choice that they make to, to walk away from God. And then we have this very interesting thing in Genesis chapter 3, 7. All right, Genesis 3, 7. Genesis chapter 3, 7. Now, if you're brand new to the Bible and you went and found one but haven't really ever cracked it open, we're in the very first book. Turn to the very beginning, you'll find the book of Genesis. Just a, a page or so later, you, you see chapter 3, you see verse 7 down, and it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and here's, the, here's the, the big part here. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Fascinating. Fascinating. So all, all of a sudden, in this particular verse, we see the, the very first yearn, yearning, the very first understanding that there is something wrong, and we have to try to do something about that. We, we need to somehow replace this empty void, empty feeling with something that we've done in order to make things better. Right. And and so they sewed fig leaves together. Which isn't a fabulous garment. I don't think I would fork out money for a fig leaf suit. Because, <laughs> well, no, seriously, I mean, the thread's going to pull through the leaves. It's, it's, it's quite deliberately inadequate. That's right. That's right. And so are the things that we tend to medicate ourselves with. I mean, we recognize something's wrong in our lives, and so we, we medicate ourselves. We either medicate ourselves literally with chemicals, alcohol, you know, a lot of our chemical addictions, or we medicate ourselves with sex or entertainment or, right. or thrill-seeking, something something that tr covers up the ache that we feel. Something is missing, and so we're trying to cover up that ache, that, that missing, you call it the void. I think that, I think Augustine called it the void, too, mm -hmm. God-shaped hole in every heart. And mm -hmm. It's kind of a cliche, but there's some truth to that. Um, but it's fig leaves. It'll fall apart on you. It's not, That's right. it's not a good covering, and often we're left more miserable at the end of trying to fix our problems than we were in the... I think it's somewhere in the Proverbs. I'm, I'm like the Apostle Paul. Somewhere it is written. Somewhere. Always, somewhere it is written, the bed is you know, too short, and the blankets are too narrow. Mm. And that's that's our homemade solutions. You get in this bed that's a foot too short for you, so your feet are dangling off the edge, or the cover is too narrow, right. and you can't cover yourself up. Our own solutions always come up empty. They, they do. And, and, I, and I have to admit, some of our solutions look good at first. Mm -hmm. you, you know, when they pulled those fig leaves, um, it was probably green. <laughs> it, 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 it looked like it was a good idea. Yeah. But but like everything else, that you know, it, it, it dies, and and then then when it died, it was no longer green, and and the first and it, breeze crumbled. Yeah, the first yeah, breeze that comes along, your suit is gone. A lot of our a lot of our <laughs> solutions and replacements. <laughs> 
you know, I just we're going to open up an entire VOP clothing line. I think the the fig leaf fig leaf brand. It, it's going to be a beautiful selling brand. Yeah, yeah. And Buy we'll, them we'll, now and wear them right away. We'll always be able to sell more. They won't last. They don't last. But you know these these things look look good at the beginning, but the long term ramifications are are terrible. And so God has to step in and He has to do something that that is much much better. But in verse fifteen, verse fifteen, verse fifteen, uh, He begins to to intonate. He begins to give us some idea of what the real solution is going to be, and that's uh, that's here in Genesis chapter three, verse fifteen. Just dropping down a, okay. a, a few verses. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. So he's addressing the serpent who tempted the couple in Eden. That's right. That's right. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. You know, as a kid, I always thought my mom was terrified of snakes. I thought that's what this prophecy was all about. Women are going to hate snakes. But then when I grew up, I met some women who love snakes, and I thought that can't be what this is actually talking about. So what is this talking about? Well, this is talking about this... um, this issue of sin that I think we're going to cover in another program, but right now we'll just uh, quickly say it. This, this issue of sin and the fact that we have fallen to a state that we're, that we're really wicked. And the Bible clearly indicates that we are really wicked. The heart is desperately wicked. Who can know it? That's right. And, and God has to do a lot of things for us. And one of the things that he does for us is he puts in an enmity or a hate towards sin, and he, he places that, that seed in our, in our heart. Well, that's a little bit paradoxical, because on the one hand, we love sin. I mean, I'm just... That's right. I know. That's I, right. I, I almost made it sound like we love it too much, but we do. We do. We do love sin, and yet at the same time, we hate it, and it's, it's one of the biggest paradoxes in the human heart. I, I do things I know are wrong, and up front, I think, well, that'll be a lot of fun. And at the same time, you hate yourself for doing it, and you know it's not right, and you hate it. And it's just this—it's tension that you live in. And Paul talks about that tension. He, he talks about the fact that that there's a part of him that wants to do good, and the, but there's another part of him, a real part of him, that goes out and he does and he does the evil. And 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 oh, wretched man that I am, and who's going to save me from this 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 hell that I'm living in? You know. And and I understand Paul because I go through this on a on a daily basis. And so here's here's where where we have this uh, this tension coming out, where God recognizes, yes, you've sinned. But I'm going to help you. I'm going to put enmity between uh, between sin and you. You're going to have a natural hate towards some of these things that you can cling to through the power of God, and uh, and you can walk righteously. But then he says something much greater than that, um, and, and we we obviously greatly appreciate the fact that he's given us this enmity. But the greater thing that is that is um, intonated here is is this Messiah, the Messiah to come. This is sort of our, our first indication that there's a there's somebody that's going to redeem us. And it comes here so in Genesis 3. So this would be the 3. very first prophecy of the Bible. I mean, most of the Bible's prophecy, but this is the first one. Yeah, th- this is it. This is this is the very first one. And and really, it's the prophecy that, that shapes just about everything else or, or everything else in Scripture. If you remember uh, in the New Testament, uh, Jesus walking on the road to Emmaus, and, and what he does on the road to Emmaus is, is he expounds on, on Scripture at the time, of course, you know, Genesis through Malachi. He, he expounds on Scripture, and he teaches about himself. And so this is really what, what Jesus is starting to do in Genesis chapter 3. He's, he's letting us know, let me just tell you about what the plan of redemption is going to be like. And it's going to have me as a, as a central theme, a central point. So we've really got an act of mercy here. God puts enmity in our hearts. He 
puts eternity in our hearts, a memory of what was right. He puts enmity in our hearts against sin, and then he promises a solution because the fig leaves can't cover us. That's right. And so we are up against another break. That's where we are now. We've found out there is a reason that you sense something's wrong in life, that it could be better. We're talking about a bridge to a satisfying life, and we've just looked at God's original promise. I'm going to put enmity in your heart against that which is wicked. You will always hate sin. You will always recognize it as wrong, and I'm going to provide a solution. The seed of the woman was going to come and and bruise the serpent's head. What does that mean? What is God's solution? We're going to be back right after this break. If you're in a market where this show kind of disappears off the airwaves right now, then you want to go to voiceofprophecy.com and download the rest of this program. You'll also find it at iTunes under Disclosure. We'll be right back after this short break. You'll want to take advantage of this offer. Are you searching for answers to life's toughest questions? Like, where is God when we suffer? Can I find real happiness? Does my life really matter to God? Or is there any hope for our chaotic world? The Discover Bible Guides will help you find the answers that you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or give us a call at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides. Study online on our secure website or have the free guides mailed right to your home. There is never a cost or obligation. The Discover Bible Guides are our free gift to you. Find answers in guides like A Second Chance at Life. You'll find answers to the things that matter the most to you. Visit BibleStudies.com and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. And here we are in what might be, I guess, the fifth inning of today's program or right. the back nine, if this was a golf analogy and all those analogies fall. This is just the second half of an amazing program with Alex Rodriguez. Alex, how could it be anything but amazing? That's right. When That's you right. Come Have you ever in... played golf? Yeah, once. It was, it was embarrassing. Uh, we were talking about how fig leaves are an inadequate cover for sin. My golf game is like walking out in a suit of fig leaves on a windy day, man. I just It would be less embarrassing to have my fig leaves blow away than to play golf in front of you. So, no. Gene, Gene's father and brother are avid golfers. If you guys are listening to the show today, you guys are great golfers. Uh, I got invited to go with them once when I was dating Gene. Once is the operative once. word. I didn't get a second invite. And just if you are listening, by the way, that really hurt. No, it didn't. I understand why you didn't invite me back. I I, I stink. I stink at golf. Do you golf? No, no, I, I, I have, but I, I I have to I have to go in the woods and and, and look for balls to to finish. Uh, you know, I, I can get through the through the first nine, but the last nine I'm I'm on mercy. Yeah. Okay. So we were talking about the very first prophecy in the Bible just before the break. It's it's famous as the first prophecy of the Bible. I'll put enmity between you and the woman. You were mentioning that God, out of an act of mercy, has instilled in our hearts a, uh, an, uh, I guess, a pressure valve, an emergency valve, so That's that right. we don't get so wrapped up in sin that there's no hope for us. So That's we right. naturally, we love sin on the one hand, but he puts in enmity so that we also hate what the devil is doing to this world. Um and uh, and then he provides the solution who's going to come the seed of the woman who's the woman right the so so the woman is is god's people the the woman is 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 the church the the woman is is 
you know, you, you get down to Revelation chapter 12, you see, you see the woman there in Revelation chapter 12, and, and eventually as you follow it through, you see that the woman gives birth to, to the Messiah, and, right. and then you see that the language transform in Revelation 12, and, and now we're talking about God's people. Right, and of course in the Old Testament, uh, God's people are forever compared to a bride, Ezekiel 16, he's a baby that I found, right. I raised her, became bride for my son. Uh, in the New Testament, Paul uses marriage as an analogy for Christ's relationship to the church. The woman is God's people, and out of God's own people will come someone who will be the solution. That's right. But in Genesis chapter 3, it's it's rather vague. Genesis 3.15, right. you know, you, you have this, what exactly is going to happen there? And so let's let's run down to Genesis 28. Yeah, we're skipping. Hey, I, look at that. I That never happens. I grabbed a chunk of Bible. And open I right turn a page and I open right to chapter 28. That's good. That's, it took me two turns, but... Um, oh, that's, you know, once you've had my Bible page-turning experience. Actually, three. I just had to flip the page one more time. <laughs> <laughs> you know what the commandments say about bearing false witness, uh, I, I, had to, I had to make it straight. Genesis 28, 10, yep. 10 to 13. This is, this is a fascinating story. This is the story of Jacob and Esau. And, of course, these, uh, these brothers have been sort of battling it out for the, for the, um, uh, the blessing uh, from from their father, and there's some deception that happens here, and now Jacob is is on the run. We pick up in verse 10, Genesis chapter 28, verse 10. Uh, now Jacob went out from Beersheba and went towards uh, Haran. So he came to a certain place and stayed there all night because the sun had set, and he took one of the stones of that place and put it at his head, and he laid down in that place to sleep. You, you might try that. That might help you. Help yeah, you I'm an insomniac. But, uh, I don't know about the stone, though. Verse 12, then he dreamed and beheld a ladder was set up on the earth and its top reached to heaven. And Mm. there the angels of God were ascending and descending on it in verse 13. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, your father and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie will give you, will I give to you and your descendants. This is, this is a beautiful picture here, right in the, in the first opening book of the Bible of what God is planning on doing to, to solve the, this, this problem of sin. So you have this disconnect that happens in Genesis chapter 3 where we were, we were together at one time. Uh, you see that in Genesis cha- the end of Genesis chapter 2. You see that God um, and Adam and Eve are in community. They, they're together. Right. And then you see that togetherness break completely apart in Genesis chapter 3. And we're asking the question, how in the world will God solve this problem? And here is, is how God's going to solve that. He is going to bridge this, this gap. There's, there's this, this ladder that is connecting heaven and earth. The angels are, are ministering up and down, which is, which is what Scripture describes as happening today in, in, in the world. Angels are ministering to us. And, and, and there is the Lord, the Lord right there at the top of that ladder, bridging this, this gap. So he should, what's fascinating about this is you talked about the fig leaves being inadequate and human beings trying to cover their own sins and provide their own solution. And the precursor to this story is Jacob providing his own solution in life. He he's, wants the birthright. You know, the eldest son got a double inheritance and, and, right. and so on. And he deceives his father into getting it. He creates his own solution. I mean, the Old Testament's full of people creating their own solutions. Abraham right. finds That's his right. own way to get an heir. Jacob's trying to find his own way to get an inheritance, to, be, to get a blessing, and it falls apart, and he's on the run in this story. He's, he's on the run, and, and, and it, again, like you said, it takes us back to Genesis chapter 3 because our solution is never going to work. Right. It has to be God's solution, and so he's explaining this. This, this is what's going to happen. This is how the, the earth and heaven will be bridged 
once again. And then we fast forward. You might want to put a marker there in Genesis, especially Genesis chapter 3, because we'll, we'll be back to Genesis here in just, a, in just a bit. But if you go now to Matthew, right. you go to Matthew chapter 3. If you're following along at home, first book of the New Testament. You go about two-thirds of the way through your Bible. Now, many people listening well familiar with the Bible, but if you're joining us for the first time and just getting comfortable in the Scriptures, uh, two-thirds of the way through the Bible, you'll find Matthew, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, first four books of the New Testament. All right. So fast forward uh, many years later, and we now we are, we are seeing the fulfillment of what was promised in Genesis chapter 3.15, and we are seeing the, the actual fulfillment of this Jacob's ladder happening here in Genesis chapter, or Matthew chapter 3, and verse 17. Okay. And so we're talking we're talking about the baptism of Jesus. Uh, he he's he's gone to uh, uh, to the Jordan to be baptized of John the Baptist. And after the baptism, here's uh, here's what we hear in verse 17. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, "This is my beloved son, in whom I am well pleased." Mm. All of a sudden, you see this this link, this connection. Not only in the fact that the Son of God has has now come to the earth. The Messiah has finally come. But you have the voice of the Father speaking. Right. Right. Verse 16, when he'd been baptized, this is the baptism of Christ, beginning of his public ministry. He comes up out of the water. Behold, the heavens are opened. He saw the Spirit of God descending like the dove and alighting on him. And then the voice. You've got all three members of the Godhead. That's and, right. And this is heaven coming down to us because there's no way we can get up to heaven. That's right. This is, this is a Genesis 1 event. Where in Genesis right. one at the beginning you have you have the the Godhead there in in their creative mode, and here we have we have back together here working on this earth, working on a plan of recreation, eventual recreation of this earth, and and of course that's that's the beautiful story. So he, here's what I want to say to anybody who's listening now. I guarantee you've tried to fix your own problems. I guarantee that you have. I promise you that you have tried all kinds of ways to improve your life, to get rid of the pain and the hurt and that emptiness in your life, but it's all fig leaves. I hope you're listening carefully. The answer, it doesn't come from us. The answer comes from heaven. There is a ladder, a bridge back to a satisfying life. And what Alex has just pointed out, that bridge is Jesus. That bridge is, that bridge is Jesus. And, and exactly how, how is that happening? Well, we all know John chapter 3, verse 16. Right. And, and so John, John chapter 3, 16 says, for, um, for God so loved the world that he, he gave. You know, again, using the same language that we see here in, in Matthew 3, God is present, the Son is present, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting yeah, life. People people cite that verse all the time. They recite it, they 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 read it aloud, you see it on placards at football games. Um, and yet we kind of have this twisted idea of God, like he's a stingy God and he'll let you into heaven if you barely make it and there's a technical, you know, there's a technicality and he's, oh, I don't want to let you into heaven, but I'm going to have to let you in. He doesn't really want you there. He's trying to keep everybody out, but if you can get in on a technicality, you're in. That is not what this says. For God so loved the world. All the initiative is with God. That's right. This is God saying, I want this ladder there. I want everybody back home. I miss my kids. This is God's generosity on display. That's right, and and if we believe what Jesus said of Himself, when and and I believe it, the Bible says it, but He says, "If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father." Mm -hmm. And so there's a there's a oneness, there's oneness language between the Godhead, 
And and sometimes, you know, as a, as a kid, I would look at John chapter three, verse 16, and I thought, man, what kind of father is that? Who sits up there on his throne and says, okay, um, I'm going to make a plan, but that plan's not going to hurt me any. I'm going I'm to send my son, <laughs> right. root him down to the earth, and let him be be the sacrifice, and and then then I'll, I'll think about you know maybe forgiving you guys. But but that's not the case. No, that's not the case. They are they are one. The entire Godhead made us in the first place. The entire Godhead redeems us, that's and right. they're in the business of getting us home, not in the business of keeping us out. That's right. In John chapter seventeen, Jesus says um, that they might be one as we are one. And so in, in the, you know, I've oft, often thought in, in, in Gethsemane as Jesus is, is, is praying and he's, and he's uh, sweating great drops of blood, my, my, thought, my thoughts have gone to the Father. What was the Father going through at that period of time? Uh, well, the Bible doesn't tell us, but if they're one, then he's going through the very sim- a similar ag- agony than, than Jesus is going through. It's got to be. I mean, anybody who's a parent, I, I think of, I can't handle it when my kids are suffering. I've watched my kids go through surgery and I'm agonizing. I'm in the waiting. I might be the one in the waiting room, but I'm almost agonizing worse than my child is. That's right. That's right. And verse 17, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. God has a plan. There it is again. He's not trying to condemn the world. He's trying to save it. We condemned ourselves. That's right. He's trying to save us. He's trying to save us. So run back to to uh, to John or, or to Genesis chapter three verse twenty one. Hey, I had a um, ribbon there because you warned me. That's right, John chapter three verse twenty one. I put my ribbon in the wrong place. I kept it on twenty eight. And I'm not flipping there immediately either. It's a good thing there are no cameras in here. Oh, there are cameras in here. John chapter three <laughs> verse twenty one, and and look at how it was placed here at the beginning, and also for Adam and his wife, the Lord God made tunics of skin and clothed them. Well, there's only one way, Alex, that you could get a tunic of skin in Eden. There's only one way. There's only one way. Something had to die. Something had to die. Right from the beginning, the, the, the fig leaves would not do. And so God had to, had to kill an animal. And it, it's the first sacrifice. It's the first sacrifice. And looking at through, at through all of Scripture and seeing what is being sacrificed and, and balancing that with the sin problem in Genesis 3 and, and, and the solution in verse 15, then there's a high likelihood then that what's being sacrificed Now, what's interesting is, is this is the first sacrifice. God provides it. God's provi- God, God provides it. it. And we often have this idea that, you know, um, we are trying to provide something to, to fix the problem. The sacrifice of Christ, God provided. We didn't provide that. We didn't provide that. And God provided these skins here. I see we're up against a break again. My goodness, such a huge topic, but it is our deepest need as human beings. So here's what's going to happen is we're going to take another little break. You're going to get, want to get pen and paper because the Discover Bible School is available. We've got all sorts of resources available for you. What we're talking about today is the bridge to a satisfying life. I'm with Alex Rodriguez, the Associate Director of the Discover Bible School, the Global Discover Bible School, and the Director of Evangelism at The Voice of Prophecy. We are partway through a bridge to a satisfying life. We have seen that we created the problem in this world in the first place, and we've tried to fix our own problems, our own loneliness, our own hurt, our own anger, um, with clothing made of fig leaves, and that's inadequate. God, however, has provided a sacrifice, and that sacrifice is Jesus, the ladder back to heaven. We'll be right back after this break. Do you feel as if you have more questions than answers in your life? 
Are you searching for answers to some of life's biggest questions? The Discover Bible Guides can help you find the answers you're looking for. Visit us at BibleStudies.com or call us at 888-456-7933 for your free Discover Bible Guides and begin your journey today to discover answers to life's deepest questions. As you may know, the Voice of Prophecy is supported by people just like you. We provide Christ-centered programs and Bible studies free of charge so that no one is left out. If you've been blessed by these programs and would like to pay it forward, we invite you to visit vop.com give to make your tax-deductible donation. We're equipping the world for Christ to come, and your support will make a direct impact on so many lives. That's vop.com give. And I see them pointing at me in the control booth, which means the mics are on and live again. And so I need to stop chewing and get back to our study. Get the toothpaste out of your mouth. Get the toothpaste out of my mouth. Those toothpaste strings are, I don't know, maybe I'm the only person on earth that's ever had a toothpaste string in their mouth. For me, it's the taste. I don't think I have the strings. It's just the the terrible taste of something like orange juice after toothpaste. Oh, I know. That's horrific. Oh, I know. You know, you ever had your mom, like, pour you, when you were a kid, pour you a glass of milk in a glass that had juice in it a minute ago? Mm, Oh, yeah. Yeah. My mom used to eat her cereal with orange juice. Oh, oh, oh. See, I hate milk, and so... um, Hey, but let's not, we don't have, we don't have time to talk about toothpaste strings and milk. We're talking about the most important topic in the Bible. Thematically, hands down, the biggest topic in the Bible. The way that the human race severed their connection with their creator, broke the, the harmony, the unity, the family that God intended, um, and how we've been trying ever since to provide our own solutions. They're all completely inadequate. We cannot patch what is wrong with this world ourselves. We have seen the latter in Jacob's dream, which is Jesus Christ. We saw the announcement of Christ at his baptism. We just looked at the coats of skin in Genesis chapter 3, where God provides the sacrifice. And that was an important distinction because the way some people talk about the sacrifice of Christ, we, we talk about the fact that we got to provide God something to get off the hook. We're paying him off. That's, right. That's not quite how this is represented in the Bible. This is God providing the skins to cover, and that tells us something important about the plan of salvation. And, and, I, and I love that because that really is the story in Genesis 22. You know, I'm a strong believer of always going back to Genesis. Genesis has has so many of these themes of, of what really is going on and what's going to need right. to happen throughout history. But this is the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 22 as he goes to the mountain and he's, his faith is, is tested. And in the end of this, uh, the end of that, that whole ordeal, God supplies the lamb. He, he provides a ram in the thicket in, in place of, of his son. Yeah, it's uh, some people would call it law of first mention. Every time a theme comes up for the first time in the Bible, pay careful attention. It sets the table for understanding it throughout the rest of the Bible. That story in particular, you've got an only begotten son of promise mm-hmm. who goes to the mountains of Moriah, which just happens to be where Calvary is. Today, right. all monotheistic religions still believe that that event took place on the Temple Mount. Hmm. In, in Jerusalem or, or by the Temple Mount. But the mountains of Moriah was where Calvary was, and you've got this firstborn son carrying the wood for his own sacrifice hmm. up the mountain. It's clearly the a symbolism picture. symbolism is amazing. Yeah, and then the substitute comes in at That's the right. end. 
And so this, you know, it's the type, and, and, and the important thing is, is that God is, again, not only did he place enmity in our hearts, a hatred towards sin, but then he's coming in and he's and he's giving the the sacrifice as well, and and we see we see that sacrifice get more clearly in Genesis chapter four. We won't turn there, but in Genesis chapter four, you see them actually sacrificing the lamb, looking towards uh, what Jesus would do. Well, you've got one boy sacrificing a lamb in Genesis chapter right. four, right? And the book of Hebrews says that boy's name. Well, we know it's Abel. And it says, by faith, Abel offered that sacrifice. He wasn't trying to pay for something. He was looking forward to the solution God would provide in Jesus. The solution that, that is the only bridge. It's the only solution. It's the only sa- – we're talking about a satisf- satisfying life, and there's only one way to have a satisfying life. It's Jesus. Jesus must be in our hearts. Right. We, mu- we must accept what he is, what so it is what, that he's done for us. what about us. this idea that there are many paths up the mountain? Everybody's finding their own way back to the top of the mountain and their own way back to God. Yeah, I, I, think, um, I think that, again, going back to Genesis, if you see Genesis chapter 6 and you look at what are the paths to salvation in Genesis chapter 6, which is another type of, 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 of the end, you see that there was only one path. There was only one door into the ark. There's only one way to get into this thing. And once that door was closed, there was no other way to, to do anything. Right. Uh, you couldn't attach yourself to, to, to the boat. You couldn't swim. You, you couldn't jump on, a, on the highest tree or climb the highest mountain. It was it. Right. And I would encourage people. I know that that's not a popular thing to say in the 21st century, that there's an exclusivity to the plan of salvation, that Jesus is the only way. But he did say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So I would encourage you, if you're listening, and that doesn't that rubs you for the wrong way. Oh, no, there's more than one path back to God. Everyone finds their own path. Just ask yourself this question. What if that's true? What if Jesus is the only way? You owe it to yourself at least to examine his claims and see what he says. That's right. That's right. Test, test me on these things is, is what Scripture uh, tells us. So that takes us all the way to Revelation. We, we just, we'll right. just fast-forward all the way to Revelation. Not my concordance. I fast-forward way yeah, too Yeah, I went to the concordance, too. And the maps. And the maps. Those are interesting. Well, the maps were my salvation during many a boring church service when I was a kid. There was always something. I pretend I was Paul on a missionary journey. And <laughs> I am really, really sorry to Pastor Tuninga. Uh, if you're still alive out there, yes, I was looking at the maps at the back of the Bible. I'm sure your discourse was wonderful. Well, that's why your geography is much better than mine. <laughs> <laughs> Revelation 13, 8, but I listened to the pastor, so my theology is better. No, just kidding. (laughs) (laughs) Revelation 13, 8, uh, here's what it says. All who dwell on the earth will worship him whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. Now, that's phenomenal, because if the Lamb is slain from the foundation of the world, sin didn't happen until after the foundation of the world, right? right. The world is founded. Is that a word? Can we make up words on the show? The world has been founded. Yeah, the foundation is there, Adam and Eve are in the garden, and then sin happens, but this places the lamb slain from... It places the sacrifice of Christ before creation. That's right. So this... So this, explain that. Explain that to me. This puts meat on the bones of John three sixteen and 17 that we throw around like like you were saying. This helps us to, to understand that that God is not a vicious God. God is not uh, this, this damning God that is looking down to see, you know, when can I burn you up? This is a God that, that foreknowledge, uh, used foreknowledge to look into the future and saw that there would be a problem and, and made a solution, put a solution in place prior to even the creation of the problem. Amazing. 
That's amazing. It's, it's as if he says, all right, I'm going to create you with free will because it's the only way we can have a genuine love relationship. But that means something could go wrong. So in the event that something goes wrong, I've got an answer for that too because I'm not going to violate your free will, but at the same time, uh, I want you. I want I you. I want you back of your own free will, and I've got to provide a solution. So that's in place ahead of time. And, and I think that's the good news. That's, that's where we break from origins. Uh, from world origins where where we came out of nothing or we came out of a, an amoeba or a big bang or, or, or whatever it is. There's nobody that wants us. There's nobody that cares about us. Here we have a creator God who wants us. He, he wants us so badly that even before he creates us, he foresees a possible problem and he, and, and he makes a solution. And that solution is the cost of his own life. So in other words, our lives mean something. Uh, I like what you just said. Nobody cares about the amoeba. They no. don't. It's a cold, caringless universe. It's That's an right. empty place. And that is not the story. There, there's a reason that your heart aches for something better. There's a God who's given you enmity against sin, and he wants you home. He Absolutely. wants you home. He gave you that sense that something is wrong. Absolutely. Sean, in the lesson, yep. there are seven essential facts that are pointed out. Here All right. We've got six minutes. We should know about <laughs> Jesus. That's right. We'll, uh, Let's we'll, go. We'll Let's go. 30 seconds. Yep. Uh, essential fact num- number one, and we've covered some of this, but Jesus came from heaven to earth. And we've right. talked a little bit about that, the fact that there's, there's a, a bridge here, and, um, and he's bridging the two. Isaiah 9, 6 says, And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So if Jesus is called Mighty God, Everlasting Father, that shows just how tight that unity is in that Godhead. They are all working for our That's salvation. Right. There's an amazing oneness there. Uh, element number two, Jesus lived a sinless life. He would have to, or how could he be the solution to our sin problem? That's right. If he didn't, if he had sin in him, then he would not be in any better shape than what we are. But because he lives a sinless life, uh, he promises. So, that, would, go ahead. Th- would this be then? You know, Paul calls him the last Adam. He's like, okay, this is a reset. First Adam led us all into sin. The second Adam is sinless and leads us back out. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. So God makes a, a solution. Uh, and and he does it here on this human world where we we are we are in in sin. Um, element number number three, Jesus died to take away sin. Mm-hmm. So Jesus gives his own life. The fa- I've, I've often said it this way: the Godhead died. The Godhead gave their own life through the form of Jesus the Son because they they are one. And and trying to grasp that concept that it's not just Jesus stepping out on our behalf. It's the entire Godhead that, that has given and sacrificed for, for our uh, salvation. Element, element number four, can't speak. Element number four, Jesus rose from the dead. And, and Paul talks about this. You know, he says, okay, great. If, if Christ had come and Christ had died and Christ had stayed on the grave, in the grave. No big deal. No big deal. Everybody does that. Yeah, and, and, and then how would we be saved? There's no, there's no, there's no promise. Right. So here's the central claim to the entire Christian faith, and it is a world-shattering, world-shaking claim. Somebody came back from the dead. That's right. And that, I know, I, I hear modern Christianity toying with us. Well, no, you know, the resurrection is only symbolic. No, Paul writes that if he didn't rise from the dead, our hope is in vain. There is nothing to this. Mm-hmm. It is a historical faith 
and somebody rose from the dead, and that ought to make everybody pay attention. That's right. And here and here it is, 1 Corinthians 5, 17, and 18. And oh, hey, Christ, I'm running ahead. <laughs> and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then those also who have fallen asleep in Christ are lost. So it's not just the death of Christ that matters. It's the resurrection yep. of Christ. You are still in your sins if he didn't rise from the dead. I, You know, I, I, I've always imagined that Enoch and, and, uh, and Elijah and Moses uh, were sweating bullets up there. No. As, as they're looking down because he he has to do it. Right. Well, Moses and um, and Elijah and Luke's gospel come to talk to Jesus about what he will accomplish in Jerusalem. That's right. That's <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah. It's like, Lord, you you you've got to you've got to do this. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Number five. Jesus ascended to heaven. So not only does he come and 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 die, but after his death, he he resurrects and then he goes back to heaven, and um, and then what is he doing in heaven? Right. Not vacation. Not not vacation. He is ministering as our heavenly priest. And, of course, Hebrews talks about that. Hebrews talks about how there's a heavenly sanctuary. We don't have time to cover that, but there's a heavenly sanctuary, and God is ministering. Jesus is ministering Jesus in is that heavenly Jesus is the real sanctuary. high priest. All he, these earthly high priests were pointing right. forward to what Jesus would do for us. He ministers. I mean, why does he minister for me? Well, when I'm sinning and I want forgiveness, there's someone to talk to who has the solution, and he applies his gift at Calvary to me. That's right. That's right. You know, we, we couldn't, we, we have nothing to present. We have nothing to present that, that smells good, has good aroma, or anything. We, we are sinful. We are wicked. We'll cover that later, but we're, we're wicked beyond measure. But God, Jesus, lived a sinless life. And, and he died for us. And just like we see in Genesis chapter 3, where Adam and Eve are clothed with skin, he clothes us with, with his uh, sinless skin, if you will. And that is presented to the Father, and it's beautiful. It's amazing. And then, of course, number seven, and, it's, and this is probably one of my, my most favorite points, um, we're not staying on this earth forever. No. Jesus will return. And he will take us, uh, take us home. John fourteen three. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Amazing. So he not only fixes me, he fixes the entire world. Eventually, the the game plan is to restore us completely and utterly, in spite of who we are and what we've done, to restore us completely and utterly to where we were before we sinned. That's right. That's right. With Jesus as the new head of the human race, that would be an entire show in itself. The fact that Jesus stays human forever, and and we see that here in the pages of Scripture, we see the sandwiching of of creation and recreation from Genesis one and two to Revelation twenty one and twenty two. We see that, uh, that 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 God is going to make it all new again. Seconds left. Why should somebody consider looking at Christ? Because of his transformational power in, in our lives. I've never found um, anything else that can change a wicked, and I'm, I come from law enforcement, but a wicked, sinful, uh, jail-written individual into something that's beautiful. Yeah, and that is the, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead can take your life and raise you from the dead. That's he can, right. He can give everything back and fix that ache in your heart. Alex, thank you. It was a lesson number five from the Discover Bible School. You can find that at voiceofprophecy.com. Look for the Discover Bible School. It covers all the major themes of Scripture. And that's all the time we've got for this show. It went quickly. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, 